Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to another edition of Ball Don't Lie right here on 1049 The Horn. We like to call it a freak flag. Feel good. Fake it till you make it. Ric Flair. Woo! Football 512 Friday edition of Ball Don't Lie right here on 1049 The Horn. Uh, we got the full month. It's going to be a damn good show. I got a lot to get into. We'll talk about the 49ers clinching the division. They continue to look purdy. All right, there you go. Pun actually intended there. We'll get into the Cowboys and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Preview that matchup. Texans versus the Chiefs. Gives us a chance to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. Jerry Jones, he won't let the Odell Beckham story die. All right? He wants you to know that he is all about Odell. We'll get into that, too. Also, a surprising story to fix the Cowboys' offensive line woes after Terrence Steele uh, went down for the season. We'll get into that. Texas gets a five-star commitment from the best linebacker in the country in the 2023 class. We'll jump into that as well. Uh, Rojo and Bijan uh, are top 10 draft-eligible running backs uh, based on Mel Kuyper's uh, prognostications. We'll get into that coming up a little bit later on. The NCAA has hired a new president. You probably didn't hear about it. Yeah, they wanted that story to go under the radar. We'll get into that coming up too. Uh, Texas Volleyball, congratulations. Well, I don't want to jinx it. Not too early, but they did make it to the title match. We'll get into that coming up a little bit later on. And a Week 15 NFL preview. My man Harge is out, so no need for the fancy intro, but I'll give it to the man who's still the MVP. That's why I'm not going solo. My man Patrick, who's the ideal unaire, one of the hardest working members of the ARN family. Uh, he's got a hustler spirit, period. We don't know what he's paid, but I do know that he is underpaid. Also, uh, he is uh, the owner of Lou, unofficial mascot of Ball Don't Lie. We appreciate him, too, because he's here today giving us good mojo. What's going on, Patrick? How you doing, brother? I'm doing good, doing good. 
Got got that few hours of sleep last night after the, yeah, the how big did show. Yeah, how'd the event go? I it mean, went I, great, man. I, you yeah. came out for a little bit, guys. I see came out for a little bit. It, 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 it was, was very awesome. Fun. It was awesome. It really it was, was great. Yeah, it's a, it was night. It was a beautiful night. And then you know when that jam happens, there was a, p- a point on where uh, the guy, one of the guys singing, is going through radiation for throat cancer right now. One of the guys wow. uh, had heart surgery yeah, this year. Another one's house burned down, and they're all on stage playing and doing a song. Uh, uh, if you ever, if you need a friend, and it's just beautiful thing, and the crowd's singing along with them, and you just see it, and you're just like, man, this is why I love doing what I do no doubt. with awesome music. Is you just get to see. Really great moments like that. Yeah, and you realize uh, how you know, you know, really how charitable um, and just generous yeah. uh, the city of Austin is. We know it's growing; it's growing every day, it's getting bigger and bigger. Uh, but it still feels like a small, uh, small, small, big city uh, exactly, sometimes yeah. when people start coming together. That's a beautiful thing. You did a great job. I wasn't out there for the whole thing. I'm an old man. I stayed <laughs> as long as I could, uh, but it was great, man. I actually, and I, you know, I'm not a huge, you know, live music guy. All right. I, I mean, I enjoy it. I'm not hating on it. Of course, it's fantastic. Those are very talented human beings. Um, but, you know, I don't go out for a lot of live music. I mean, the the first act, was it Cece? Cece, yes. Wow. She's phenomenal. Yeah, she's really good. Wow. I, I mean, she just started out earlier this year doing Man. her solo project. And, yeah, it's, it's, she's really good. Yeah, she was fantastic. So, uh, yeah, I, I was pretty much, I was like, I, I was going to just get, you know, one drink and, and, and jet. But I'll admit, she made me stay. Um, she was just she was really just that good and uh so it was is it SISI SISI yes. just in case people want to know uh, really good all right uh we'll get to uh some other uh topics later on in the show off the record topics uh coming up later on in the show too Drew Brees apparently um has a new gig we'll get into that coming up in off the record at 445 let's talk about the uh the 49ers and their big win over the Seattle Seahawks because it gave them the uh, division crown in the NFC West. Uh, and we thought that would be a more competitive division just because I think everybody assumed the Rams would be a lot more competitive. Not the case, but the 49ers with the third-string quarterback in Brock Purdy, who's not playing like a third-string quarterback drafted in the seventh round. How about this? A little factoid for you. Uh, after the 21-13 win for the 49ers over Seattle. Brock Purdy, only quarterback drafted in his seventh round or later, and that includes undrafted because it's seventh round, so last round, in the wild card era, um, who has been favored in each of their first two starts. And if you go look at it, Brock Purdy joins Aaron Rodgers as the only quarterback since ni- at least 1950 to have a passer rating of 115 or higher in each of their first two career starts. Uh, I'm not making that comparison. Please don't. Don't say, oh, man, Rob, he's on there comparing him to Aaron Rodgers. Nope, not saying that at all. Um, just talking about his performance right now. He's playing at a really, really high level. And it helps that, and I always say this about the 49ers, um, and my man Shannon probably doesn't like the comparison, but the 49ers are the 49ers are a 10 butt. That's a great meme that goes around. Oh, man, she's a, she's a 10, but she's bad in the sack or she's bad in bed or she's a 10 but she's got nine toes she's a 10 but she's got an extra nipple whatever it may be all right uh you find the smallest little flaw um with someone even though um almost 99 percent of the things about them are fantastic um and it's kind of like shallow hell i guess it's costanza's yeah character no there. it's, it's there's <laughs> yeah. a there's a great old snl bit about it where it's just it's a red flag 
perfume <laughs> and everything. She was saying how great she is, and then yeah. she's like, and then she's just got one really long fingernail. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. This no, red flag. people say this about. I think for for Megan Fox, is something about her either thumbs or big toes. I have no yeah, idea. Which one yeah, yeah. I can't remember. I don't that know she which has, one it is. She either has toe thumbs yeah, or yeah. or thumb toes. I don't know which one it is. I don't know which one it is because I haven't gone deep down the rabbit hole. But go look it up on your own. Don't do it while you're driving. But uh, you know, it did. Your wife is gonna wonder why that's in your Google history too, and that's gonna be a long story. Megan Fox thumb toes. <laughs> right. I mean, that's that's uh, you got a conversation you're gonna have to have. Uh, but getting back to it though, uh, that's the 49ers, right? And it's always the quarterback position. Right now, one the best defense in the league. Skill positions, even with Debo Samuel being out, he'll be back for the playoffs. But even with him being out, you still can focus on George Kittle, top two to three best tight end in the league. Christian McCaffrey, one of the most versatile weapons in the league. You can still focus the offense around those two guys. And you ended up with just featuring those two pieces combined, Kittle and Christian McCaffrey, 36 touches, 231 total yards, and three touchdowns. Um, Christian McCaffrey played the most snaps he's played since becoming a 49er, 55 of 61 snaps. It's basically 90% of the snaps. So that's that's why they're so dangerous. And even before Purdy got there, this is why people were upset with Jimmy G, even though Jimmy G was getting the Super Bowls and competing for Super Bowls, got to uh, multiple NFC title games too. Because the Shanahan offense is seen, it, the modern-day Shanahan offense, as, as Shano has constructed it, is seen as the most quarterback-friendly offense in the league. The way it is constructed yeah, yeah. with the O-line and with the pieces around it and with the focus being on the running game and a mastermind and a master play designer behind it in my man, and play caller in Shano. That's why it's, it's seen. And Brock Purdy is proving that. I, I, I've said it before, whether it be C.J. Beathard or – Nick Mullins or hell Jimmy G. People complained about uh, Brock Purdy, <laughs> pump fake Purdy, who pump faked a lot last night. <laughs> My man Shano used the pump fake, used the pump fake multiple times and got Kittle wide open. Um, you know that offense is is real. The identity of it is the running game. So the the quarterback is, and this is one of the few offenses in the NFL. Matter of fact, it might be the only offense in the NFL where the quarterback is not. The marquee star in the offense. The quarter, although the quarterback, obviously, most important position, most you know, the face of the team. Say what you want, but within that offense, that offense is built around the construction of the running game. And Brock Purdy is proven. Oh man, you know what? You can, you can, long as you take care of the football because they haven't had any turnovers at all. A uh, one turnover, one pick, I believe, for uh, Brock Purdy maybe since he's yeah, yeah, since one. He's over. Um, but so, yeah. they're not turning over the football, and that helps a lot too because the defense. That's the real star of this team. That's yeah. the star of the 49ers well, team. It's, it's and then the all, running game, and then the quarterback, potentially. Yeah, it's the best <laughs> a, a example of complimentary football to put a quarterback where it's like, look, we may ask something of you at some point, but we are going to compliment you with the most running game that you have that you're not you know, not going to worry have to worry about moving the ball that much. We're also going to put a defense, so you're normally not going to be playing from so far behind. Yep. So all you got to do is just keep the ball rolling, you know, not make little stupid mistakes, but as long as you – Focus and don't make those mistakes. We're not going to need too much from you. Manage the game. Manage it. Won't you be a, man, a game manager? That's why people were really critical of Jimmy G. Now I like I like Jimmy G. We've talked about Jimmy G. And Jimmy G got him to a Super Bowl. Hell, you were probably one or two big throws away from Jimmy G being a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Um, but we'll get to the defense here in a second because uh, as a Texans fan, I actually have a plea <laughs> uh, that's Texans related. Uh, but getting back to that offense, I just love how versatile it is. 
it is so multi-dimensional. You lose Debo Samuel, all-pro wide receiver, yep. and and it's like, oh no, we'll just kind of shift the focus. We'll shift the focus to tight ends and Kittle. <laughs> with I mean, he had his basic best game of the season. You're looking at just yardage, pure yardage. Uh, four receptions, what ninety something yards and two touchdowns. Go look at. His two big receptions that he had, the 28-yard touchdown, um, and then uh, I forgot how long the other one was. Um, he had one right up the middle and then one that went off. It was basically a seven route. It was a, a, a wide the corner. Kittle, I'm guessing it's 54. Okay. That was his long of the game, yes. so I'm going to guess it's 54. All right, so I don't, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. It was that one and then the 28-yard uh, touchdown. Go look at first the 28-yard touchdown run. It is a perfect example of – Mamed Shano scheming up and around the 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 weaknesses and the strengths of his his young quarterback. First of all, the pump fake. He the, the nickname that Purdy earned in college was pump fake Purdy, and that play had two of them on it. Or basically, you had the the flare route that came from the the, the motion, um, the which was basically kind of the orb motion. You also have the um, the screen to the opposite side for Christian McCaffrey. And <laughs> with those two threats, we essentially cleared out the middle of the field because both linebackers, uh, Barton and Jordan Brooks, they clear out to go with the flare route and with the screen. It looks like a screen. It looks like a flare out. Uh, so that that clears out the middle of the field, which opens up big passing windows for your young quarterback to make it easy on him to just kind of lay it up there. And then a delayed release from Greg, from, uh, from George Kittle, which made it look like, oh, man, they, you know, they, he's blocking – which breaks the violates the rules of the defense if he's blocking that usually ends up unaccounted for because if he's blocking for one one thousand two one thousand defense has moved on it's like man I gotta move on <laughs> he's blocking I'm moving on responsibility elsewhere they really they get him on a delayed release um and he ends up wide open essentially package plays there but making adding the cheat code of the the motion. All right, the or motion, which gives away its man defense, because each you know, one, oh, it's man defense because once the way they react to the motion, uh, that's your treat code. The strength of your young quarterback, one of them is pump fakes. He was really good at it in college, earned a nickname. Use it on that play, and also the cheat code of violating the rules of the defense by a delayed release with your tight end, and that, and then clearing up the passing windows with the flat route and the flare route. Um, and it just it's why he ended up wide open. I mean, how, how does the second-best tight end in the league end up wide open? That's how. You got four or five different things happening simultaneously on that play that end up opening up the, you know, the, the, the central nervous system, if you will, exploiting the, that part of the defense. Yeah, it's been crazy this year in San Francisco, too, to watch. Like, that Christian McCaffrey trade came at a perfect time, but the mm-hmm. amount of injuries and guys just kind of filing in and out of – Hey, man, Kittle's kind of hurt, so Debo, we need you to step up a little bit more right now. Okay, we got McCaffrey, so we're going to let him go. Okay, Kittle's back. Now, Debo, you're hurt. Just to be able to see them kind of keep using all these weapons, that if this team can get healthy at all Mm -hmm. by the playoffs, that is a scary amount of weapons they can put at you because, I mean, the Christian McCaffrey trade now has to look, at least so far, has looked like one of the few worked-for-both-teams trades. Because he looks better than he's looked in several years in Carolina in San Francisco now. No doubt. Playing in the Shanahan offense. And then you open up uh, Deontay Foreman and Chuba Hubbard, who are having great seasons now 
that he's out of the way in Carolina. Which is crazy. They're, they're a better running team now they after are. trading Chris McCaffrey. It's unbelievable. But the 49ers are a better running team after getting Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> so it does, it's just about schemes and systems, but it's just funny great when point. you see it. And you're like, well, how did both teams get better on the same trade? That's <laughs> but, a great point. And they're running a lot of power stuff uh, with you know uh, the Carolina Panthers. Yeah. And we know Shanahan is famous. They, they run, of course, some power concepts, but the zone-blocking scheme. So you're right about that, man. It's just a, a lot of it is compatibility. Your skill set with the right scheme is amazing yeah. what you do. And to me, that, that that move getting Christian McCaffrey, and yes, it it is kind of against modern football logic and modern football theory to pay that much draft capital, whatever, for a running back. Um, I know he is special because he's also a an, an elite receiver uh, from that position as well. But I do believe it was Shano doubling down on positionless football. He's always had an obsession with it. I think he believes, like I believe too, that it's the future of football, offense and defense. And the more of those types of weapons you have, the better off you're going to be. And it's going to allow you to be so multiple and so versatile. You're essentially indefensible unless they also have a lot of, you know, uh, chess pieces from the defensive side that also have that multiplicity and versatility within their skill set. Well, but then it's perfect. And you exam- don't, right? Because you don't. Yeah. You, you know, if, when they break all the defensive rules and violate them with Debo Samuel in the backfield, motioning Christian McCaffrey out wide uh, when they're healthy. Uh, George Kittle plays H back, plays tight end, and you can put him in the slot or out wide. Christian McCaffrey plays out wide or in the slot or in the backfield. Same thing with Debo Samuel. And you have the same thing happening potentially with a use check as a fullback, a, a halfback, and a guy that can play H-back and tight end. Everybody plays like four or five different positions. You're basically a, the Rubik's Cube of offenses. Well, and that, <laughs> but it's not just offensive because if you look at this team, it's they've built it of how do you can be, can stay competitive year after year when you know in the NFL if you have that window of basically two or three guys in a rookie contract. And once you got to start paying people, it becomes really hard to keep winning. They're finding a way to be like, all right, we're not going to spend a ton of money on quarterback, Mm -mm. so we're going to take this massive piece of everyone else's salary cap and minimize that so we can get more players on the skill. And then on defense, when so many people are trying to figure out how to figure uh, the secondary and paying all this money to get one, maybe one and a half DBs out there, we're just going to load up on good defensive linemen and not necessarily start if it's linemen, loves them. but we're going to have six deep of he's, D he's linemen. Every draft, go look at every draft, he decides, yeah. I'm drafting a D lineman high. He does. But that's when you look yep, at that defense right. and you're like, well, they just understand, hey, man, we get what everybody else is doing, cool, but we can't compete with what they're doing because there are there's already 30 teams doing that. Yeah, and then he trades for guys like Charles Aminahu, just a stockpile yeah. one. No, he does. That's one thing I've always admired about him, and you're a great boy. And one thing also, they, let's get to talk about the defense a little bit too. Um, one thing you also got to admire about the 49ers, they have the best linebacking core in the league. And, hell, even Texas now in the Big 12 learning. Go, just think about this, because we'll get into this too when we talk about uh, Texas five-star commitment uh, from Anthony Hill, the, the, the best linebacker in the country. Go think about Texas last, I don't know, last 10 years and their best defenses in the last 10 years. Hell, even go back further than go back. I don't know. You can go back the last 15 years if you want to. Hey, you probably could go 20. <laughs> you can go back to where Rob B was playing on 40 acres. Think about their best defenses and then think about the, the linebacking core and what I like to call the central nervous system of the defense. They usually have a good group there. This year, Jalen Ford, DeMarvin Overshone, two first-team All-Big 12 linebackers. 
2017, you were really good in 2017. And it was Gary Johnson and Malik Jefferson as your two linebackers. It's pretty damn good, right? That, that Was that the group that I believe? No, so, yeah, that was 2017, I believe. Yeah, and then you go back to 2014. I think that was a lot. You had a really good defense in 2014. That was your Jordan Hicks. Steve Edmond, remember Steve Edmond there throwing in that group? He was a good player. And you go back to 2011, really good defense. Manny Acho, Keenan Robinson, two NFL players. It it's it th- that is kind of the you. Sh- it's really tough now to find really skilled linebackers. I think the truth is just in my uh, just analysis and studying the position in a modern game, the li- off ball linebacker position. I mean, go look at the two. All Big 12 linebackers this year, they, they they end up being more projects than anything, right? You don't get them straight out of high school anymore because of the proliferation of the spread offense. DeMarvin Overshawn, safety, they spent down to play linebacker. Uh, Jalen Ford took a year or two to get right, and now he's one of the best linebackers in the country. Malcolm Rodriguez, the year before that, was a, a wrestler turned quarterback who was brought in as a safety who ended up playing linebacker ended up being the best linebacker in the Big 12 because they don't come straight out of high school anymore because of the way the game is structured. And at the highest levels, they're trying to exploit the kind of I, uh, the, I, I would say the, the skill set of linebackers uh, in coverage and in space. And if you got linebackers that are comfortable in space, like an Overshone or like a Jalen Ford, your defense has a chance to be really good. And I can, I can make that comparison because the NFL game and the college game are so similar now. Go look at the 49ers and their defense. Best defense in the NFC West since the Legion of Boom. They're allowing 10.6 points per game to division opponents. Fewest since the Legion of Boom. They, they, they allowed 8.8, I think, in 2014. Legion of Boom, good linebackers. <laughs> um, and, and think about the linebackers. You got Fred uh, Warner. You got Dre Greenlaw. Both those guys are, are awesome in coverage. Uh, some you're talking about some of the best linebackers um, in all of football. It may be the best linebacker in court in football. I think so. I think they're at least in that conversation. I'm sure that um, Patrick Queen and Raquan Smith now together. Uh, that's when the Eagles have a really good one in Chazer um, White and Edwards. They're pretty good. Uh, Cincinnati Wilson and Pratt are pretty good. Uh, but getting back to it, I think if you're looking at the skill sets of linebackers, the skills and the traits that are essential to playing linebacker at a really high level in the modern game that with pace and space, uh, modern game, you can argue that it is the most wide-ranging and versatile skill set of any position in football. You can make that because they got to do so much. They blitz. They take on linemen. They got to cover receivers and tight ends and uh, running backs. They got to play zone coverage. They got to play man coverage. Not everybody's doing what they're. Sometimes they got to line up on the line of scrimmage. Sometimes they're off the ball. Your linebacker, your modern day linebackers are doing everything. And a lot of the modern day offenses are built to exploit their lack of versatility, because especially with mobile quarterbacks. Oh, that's even more, even more so. Thank you. Yeah. With the and now everybody's got a quarterback that can move. Yeah. Because now you have to be in pass coverage, blitz, and make sure he doesn't get past you. Yeah. All those things, and make sure this guy who's way faster than you yeah. is, can't run downhill on you. Yeah, 
No, it's exactly. Um, it, I, I think those linebackers are the key to why their defense is really good. Um, someone says, according to y'all, they're unbeatable. I'm not saying they're unbeatable. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying they're really impressive. They got the longest winning streak in the NFL currently. Yeah. <laughs> no, and they're doing it with their third string quarterback. So it, and, yes, and, yeah, it's and really everyone, impressive. Everyone in the NFL is beatable <laughs> because once you, and the Seahawks yeah. are a perfect example of one of those teams that looked really, really good at the beginning of the year. And then you start to figure them out. The problem with the 49ers of what people are having a problem is, is they keep getting hurt. And so they have to reinvent themselves and have different things. And so it's harder to figure out what they're going to go to week to week. Cause you're like, well, now we have three, three weeks on Brock Purdy. Which, unfortunately for them, they're people are going to start figuring Brock Purdy right around the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, so you're not going to have a lot of time to adjust it's on true. that. I agree but, with that. you know, it, it, everyone in the NFL, when you start as a quarterback, you usually have two or three good games before teams start to catch on to it. But, I mean, there's a few. This is the time of the season where we start to see those teams, like the Cowboys, like the Eagles, like the Chiefs, I think are going to be doing. And those teams start to pull away as uh, the Bengals now are in that. They are. Those teams start to pull away where you're like, oh, yeah, no, we're going to tell those teams as teams that we think are going to win every game that they're not playing them against each other. Yeah. I think in the NFC, that group is Philly, 49ers, and Cowboys. Yeah. That's that's the group right now. To me, I think they, they're they separating. And then the AFC seems to be Kansas City, Cincinnati. I mean, not the Bills. We sh- should be Bills, there. But the I, Bills, I think. Like the Bills this, and Dolphins this, this are week, just right below this it, week they but think, they, they need to get healthier. This week, I think that's a prove-it game. Yeah. Um, because you're right. The Bills can separate. It's at home for the Bills, too. That's big. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we'll get into some of the things, some of the <laughs> the hijinks, the shenanigans that Mike McDaniels, uh, Mike McDaniel is um, – yeah, you know, he's in in implementing there with the Miami Dolphins. They have eighty something degree weather there in Miami, and they got to go play in what well, I think it's gonna be like in twenty something degrees there. Uh, so he's he's trying to get his team acclimated best he can. Uh, but he's having fun with it too. It's okay, Tua said it snows in Alabama. Is <laughs> <laughs> that a real statement? Yes. I'm sure it. I'm sure it does. It's snowing in Austin. Yeah, it snows in Alabama. It's just funny. <laughs> it's just a funny statement. Oh, that's pretty good. I like that. Okay, uh, real quick. Since we're talking about um, the 49ers, because uh, I think this is going to segue a little bit, and we'll get into some Cowboys and some Texas coming up uh, later on in the show and preview their matchups coming up this weekend. D'Amico Ryans, last year as defensive coordinator, um, the, the 49ers had the ninth best scoring defense, so they were top 10, but it was around 21 points per game they're allowed. Now they're first in scoring defense. 15 points per game allowed as a defense. Just so you 10.6 points per game allowed in division play. Um, they're getting better. Remember, he came back to the 49ers. There was some talk that he was getting a a real look and he was a real possibility and a candidate for that Vikings job. He turned down his second interview. Not sure why he turned it down, but uh, maybe he just wanted to come back to the 49ers, whatever it may be. Um, now coming back to the 49ers, uh, they got the best defense in the league. He's probably not going to be with the 49ers very long. Somebody's going to probably try to hire D'Amico Ryans in the next year or two, potentially. Um, and, man, the Shanahan coaching tree is growing pretty good right now. Uh, if you're the Texans, start doing research on this guy. He's a former Texan. So yeah. the Texans. I remember D'Amico Ryans playing for exactly. us. Exactly. So I'm not, I'm not saying go hire him right now. No, no, no. Don't hire him right now. I'm saying to start doing research on him. He should be one of the people the Texans are considering uh, on uh, for that job. I don't know if they're going to fire Lovey Smith. I'm not saying they're going to fire You Lovie should Smith. not fire Lovey Smith after one season, after firing exactly. David Cully after one season. I'm not saying that, but I say hey, do some research. I would say do start doing some research on the man. Um, I don't know how long he's going to stay at the 49ers. He may, but they win a Super Bowl. He's definitely leaving. 
But, oh yeah, no, um, he he should have been one of the guys who's gone already, just because of what he's done there. But yeah, I figured this season he's going to get some offers. Yeah, um, yeah. We find, well, Lovey Smith, we know what Lovey's job is there and his role is. Well, there. we do, but you yeah. can't fire a head coach two years in a row. No, but when, you never should coaches. have fired David Cully. That's no, the problem. I agree. One too much. That's the pr- I know. That's the problem. You were building a positive culture with Cully. And, that positive culture was resulting in and wins. Lovey Smith and knows when you were how tanking, to. I get it. Lovey Smith knows it. how to have high ankle sprains in important moments. You're just saying two wrongs don't make it right. I'm I, saying, I, am, I am saying two wrongs don't make it right. I'm saying it's a really bad perception if you said, hey, man, uh, look, we've, hi- we've, we've, we've fired two minority coaches in a row, so we're going to have to hire another one now because it's, it looks really bad. The you're optics the, of this you're the Texans. You can't worry about perception anymore. You are there. People cannot look. They cannot look down on this organization any more than they already do. They cannot think the organization is any more of a, a fuster cluck than it already that is. That is true. That everybody, is true. everybody believes that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you're right, though. I still I agree with you. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying start doing some research on him. He's a former Texan. And, you know, the, the Texans are an organization that, all, that is looking at the NFL currently and thinking to themselves, that's the one that got away. You know, at one point, you had Matt LaFleur, Mike McDaniel, Kyle Shanahan, and Robert Sella all working as young coaches for the Texans at the same time, actually. At the same time. Like, they were all there. All there just kind of walking around at the same time. And I know you can't just, you know, latch on to a young uh, coach um, and, you know, make them your kind of pet project. It does happen, though. You, you did Jerry need to Jones keep, does it. Yeah, Jerry, you Jerry did Jones. need to keep one of those guys when Mike Shanahan went back to with the Washington football team and took all of them with him because he was like, hey, uh, you know how I told you all those guys were good? He hey, did. Kubiak, Kubiak, you know how I told you about them because you're my boy Kubiak? Yeah. I'm taking them all. Dude, you got to, you got to, yeah, it's like overpay for one of them. You're like, all right, we're going we're to promote Kubiak you. And Kubiak should have known whoever he got to keep. He's like, well, y'all ain't nothing. No. <laughs> he didn't take y'all. No, you could have kept, you could have promoted one prematurely, but yeah. I don't think the Texans, they're not that detailed oriented of an organization is my point. Hell, Mike Vrabel was there. For, what, three years? They never thought about that much. And I'm not saying that they should have made the moves at the time, but, man, you start looking at the NFL right now, all those guys who are considered really good coaches or young up-and-coming coaches, um, they were all within your organization, and you're struggling right now. Firing David Culley after one year and then with Lovey Smith. And you start thinking to yourself as a Texan fan, like, man, that's the one that got away. They all got away. It's terrible. Texans. Uh, but D'Amico Ryan should start doing some research. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Throw it out there. Uh, all right, we come back. We'll get into Week 15 NFL previews. Got a lot of big games coming up around uh, the NFL Week 15. I think that Dolphins and Bills game is huge. I think it's the biggest game of the weekend. It's probably now that we're done with the uh, division uh, uh, matchup between the Seattle Seahawks and the 49ers. Now they won that division was on the line. Definitely the and another division uh, rival game between the Bills and the Miami Dolphins. We'll get into that a little bit, but also some other NFL news, notes, and nuggets. All that right here on Ball Don't Lie on 1049 Horn. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. It is a 512 Friday edition of Ball Don't Lie. We play jams from local bands and artists, very talented people. Uh, you can catch live right here in the ATX. Who are we jamming right now, Patrick? This is the Reverend Few, and they are playing tonight at Saxon Pub. Oh, yeah, I like that. All right, and I know where that is, so I feel a little bit cooler. Uh, all right, let's get to our NFL Week 15 preview. Uh, we'll do a couple of these because uh, there are a lot of games out there uh, that I want to get to, but I think the biggest matchup, my man Patrick referenced it uh, last segment, Miami at Buffalo is a huge matchup this weekend. I think we'll see if you know the Dolphins, if they're uh, Fenderella, if you will, I like that pun. I'm feeling punny today. Or, or they're a contender. I mean, this is a this is why the game's important because right now the NFL believes there's a blueprint that is starting to develop of how to defend Miami. Shout out to D'Amico Ryan's. A lot of people believe that. He uh, and my man Shano, Kyle Shannon, started this blueprint against Miami when they played him a couple of weeks ago. And remember I referenced the middle of the field and how much Mike McDaniel and the Dolphins love throwing to what they call the middle third of the field? Yeah. The middle third. And they throw, they're more than anybody else. Tua has the most completions throwing to the middle third, the intermediate middle third of the field, uh, like 16 to 20 more completions. Um, And the 49ers actually with Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, actually have one of the best defense in the NFL defending that middle third because basically those guys can act as you know, big safeties there because they defend uh, and they cover so well in space. Well, 49ers won that um, kind of that, if there were that chess match, if you will, that battle of wits, and the way they did it against the speed and the you know the skill on the outside of Miami with Jalen Waddle and with um, you know with Tyreek Hill, they decided to bump and run those guys as much as they could, and they said we know we're going to lose. They know they're going to lose at, at times when you're bumping and running the two fastest guys in the league, but they weren't worried about that. What they were worried about was disruption. They had to disrupt the timing. They couldn't allow the Miami Dolphins to have the timing of those routes, specifically inside breaking routes. So they were almost over leveraged with inside leverage. They, they, it was a, I mean, they, they, they basically gave up the outside throws. They said, Tua, we'll give you the outside throw. We'll give you all the outside breaking routes you want. We don't think you can throw them that well. Yeah. And we don't think you're going to have a lot of time to adjust to make those throws. We know where y'all want to throw the ball, and we're not going to give you that middle intermediate third of the field we're going to play bump and run and we're going to play hard inside leverage bump and run and we're going to take away the middle of the field with our linebackers who can drop back in coverage the chargers who are not as good defensively as the 49ers they did the same thing though they played aggressive inside leverage bump and run coverage press coverage yeah they got beat you're gonna get beat all right, but you got to disrupt the timing enough so that you can get to Tua and also kind of discombobulate him. Um, and that's exactly the blueprint that was copied by the Chargers, too. And the Chargers actually had a better, I think it was more sound game plan than the 40. 49ers, there were some holes in that game plan. There were some opportunities there for Tua. He just missed them. Um, but the Chargers, uh, there was almost nothing there. And Tua versus the Chargers, 10 of 28, 145 yards, one touchdown, fewest pass attempts, yards and yards per attempt of the season. And so what I always say, once is happenstance or an outlier, you know, twice is coincidence, three times is a pattern. So if the Buffalo Bills go out there and they, and I guarantee you they're going to try to replicate that 
that same game plan that the 49ers threw out there at Miami and that the Chargers threw at Miami. And if it works and then we see the regression again from Tua like we have in the last two games, then we know it's a pattern. Then we're on we're on course of a trend, um, and and it becoming habitual, and everybody knowing how to stop Miami. That's the chess match that Mike McDaniel has to win now, and they've made the the NFL has made the adjustment. They always will. It's a film driven league. Now, what's your counter? What's his counter? Yeah, you gotta have a create a creative counter. That's what we're looking for now for Mike McDaniel in this game versus Buffalo Which, on the road. Gonna be tough. Bad weather too. Bad weather. Uh, night game. You're night playing game? Saturday night. Ooh. Oh, yeah, Saturday night. I forgot. It's right. a Saturday night, so yeah, it is yeah. the only NFL game on TV. Yeah, that's good That point. time you get a, a primetime game on yeah. Saturday night. No, I mean, honestly, there's very few coaches in the NFL mm-hmm. that I would rather have if I need a creative solution than Mike McDaniel. This is true. So I think he's someone who can figure it out. It's just a question of, hey, man, you're hitting a buzzsaw part of your season. Can you figure it out within this, or do you kind of have to take this, weather this hit, mm-hmm. try and just get to the playoffs, and then have it figured out by the time you get to the playoffs? Yeah, Tua saw press coverage 48% of the time in the first 12 weeks, uh, or at least his first nine starts. I know he had some injuries there, but uh, the first part of the season, in the last two weeks, that number has increased to 62% press coverage. So 49ers in charge decided – I uh, ain't no damn way we're going to let these wide receivers get off the line clean. Because this is why it, make, it makes so much sense. It's just common sense, right? Which ain't so common. They're going to beat you anyway. You want to give them a clean? You want to give them a clean release off the line? The yeah. two fastest guys in the league, potentially? No, no, no. The only place you stand a chance to keep up with them is actually at the line of scrimmage. Once they, once they start, you know, getting stride, getting in full stride, you're done, son. Get them right there at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. And I think that may be, you know, what the, the game plan going for. And the 49ers got beat, and so did the Chargers. They got beat, but they, they didn't get beat, beat as much. They didn't get beat as much. So I, I'm telling you, that's what the – we already know what Buffalo's going to do. Does Mike McDaniel have the creative, you know, counter ready to go? Because if he don't, it's – man, that, and everybody already knows how to stop Tua. And this is what kind of happened with Jared Goff and Sean McVay, too. This is why he fell out of love with yeah. Jared Goff because within his system, Jared Goff couldn't overcome the 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 adjustments that were being made over and over yeah. again by the opponent. And remember, it was Belichick in the Super Bowl who came up with that adjustment. What was the adjustment? Well, if McVay is going to talk to Jared Goff on the headset until, what, that 15-second point when they cut it off, if they're going to rush to the line and they're going to get there with – 25 to 30 seconds uh, left and uh, on the play clock, and he got 15 seconds left to give him all of the calls. Belichick just said, hey, we're going to have a different defensive look after 15 seconds. You're yep. going to give him a look before 15 seconds, and then once we get past 15 seconds in the play clock, we're going to change the look. And McVay tried to change it up basically by going uh, more up-tempo, but it just Jerry Goff couldn't handle that. You overloaded his processing yeah. unit. Now he's balling. Goes back to what Patrick said, though, about compatibility and, and, and systems and skill sets. Exactly. He's yeah. in a better system for his skill set. No, and that's, I mean, that's what we see with Josh Allen of what that, uh, that Dabble system brought him. It is. Was yeah. just what a great system for him. And then a little bit of the struggles that he's had at points in the offense this year is okay, well, now that Brian Dabble's not there, we're still running the same system, but we don't have. I don't have the guy that was there to help me fix when someone went, hey, man, so they're just going to overplay and make you run the ball because, honestly, they just want to hit you 15 to 20 times a game. Yep. Like, they realize if they can hit you 15 to 20 times a game, you're probably not going to be able to throw the ball as well in the fourth quarter. So they're going to let you run more 
and get five yards, six yards, and then just hit you as hard as they can. Now, how do we build around that to not let them just set up for me to run? Yeah. Where they go, hey, man, we're going to sit back and just wait. Because you know, hey, man, you're going to get that first down, but it, it'll pay off. In the yeah, Dabo was big at, it's just weird to call it, they were almost designed scrambles. Yeah. Where he would like overload different sides of the field, get, force you in and make a decision between, are you going to defend the numbers or are you going to defend the space? And then when you made your choice, hell, it was almost, like I said, you were making, you know, it was a fool's errand. You, there was no right um, right decision because Josh Allen ultimately, once he found a window, and they were almost creating windows with the formation and with the play design. Uh, and that actually, going back to Miami, that's what Tua did more of. Tua's running more now because they're dropping those linebackers back. So now you're getting Tua who's scrambling a little bit more now. Uh, he's more scrambling more than he did, but they don't want him to scramble because he's a little bit fragile um, yeah. And they're worried about him getting hurt. No, and I, I mean, like, if you look at Buffalo, when their offense is really rolling really well, part of that is, hey, man, we can kind of create a little bit more time, and then Gabe Davis gets that one 65-yard touchdown in the game. And you're like, yeah, if you can go ahead and pull one or two 60-, 70-yard touchdowns out because everyone has to go and you have one-on-one coverage with no safety – and you buy enough time to let your wide receiver kind of go out there and freestyle a little bit and get some space, yeah, that that's going to help you win a lot of games. And they were able to create that a lot. Teams are trying to shut that down a little bit more and just go, man, if we don't let them over the top, they don't have a run game. So if we can get them into you know, situations that are, you know, if we can make them incomplete pass and then they're trying to run the ball, so now it's third and long, it's a lot easier to stop this Buffalo team than if you're allowing them to – get those giant plays over the mm-hmm. top and just be able to score quickly and, and be like, all right, now our defense will go handle business. Yeah. No, Miami, Miami's defense, I mean, I think their defense actually has been pretty good. I think the offense has been so stagnant that it's kind of messed up their version of complimentary football. Yeah. But watch Tua scrambling because it's one of their adjustments they made was like, well, if you clear out the middle, dropping those linebackers back, we're just going to tell our quarterback that, hey, man, you can scramble. It's wide open, which it is. Um, and Tua tie his season high for scrambles um, versus the Chargers, but you don't want to be doing that. Not with Tua. With Josh Allen, hell yeah, it makes sense. I mean, he's a tank. With Tua, mm-mm, you're just asking for something bad to happen. Exactly. Uh, especially with his history. So that's not their solution right now. they got to come up with something else um, because that's a big issue for them. And right now I'm leaning toward Buffalo only because – this is a little nugget <laughs> that, um, that I got from NFL Network. The Dolphins actually had sideline heaters in that San Diego game at SoFi. Oh, yes. And, and see, 50, 55 degrees it was, and they oh. had sideline heaters. It'll be 25 degrees in Buffalo, 80% chance of snow, 12-mile-per-hour winds. Um, and Mike McDaniels, he's having fun. He's a bit of a personality. We know that. Um, so he uh, practiced. He put the, put the guys into practice into their indoor facility where he – Told them to drop the AC down to uh, as as cold as it could go, and they basically practice in fifty degree, um, like basically a fifty degree facility cooled environment. Yeah, I saw the video of Mike McDaniel <laughs> strutting around while people were warming up, wearing a, a shirt that says "I wish it were colder." Yeah, so he's having some fun with he's, it. He's, he's, he's going for it. He knows that it's definitely going to be a a psychological element for his guys in that game and he's just trying to make sure that they're they're ready for yeah, it. I mean, but that's you gotta be you gotta be tough enough to handle that Buffalo because they're lucky they're not going in the Buffalo that was under like three feet of snow oh, of years. They had to move the game. So this is not the worst weather Buffalo has seen this it's year. Not you're right about that. It ain't but 
Yeah, this this is not good for Miami because just like the the blueprint I just mentioned that is floating around out there in the NFL that D'Amico Ryan, shout out to him for the 49ers to D.C., uh, that he initially had the game plan for uh, in Miami and it was copied and replicated, I think even better actually. It's a better remix uh, in that Chargers game um, when they ended up getting the win over Miami. If you look at uh, this matchup with the wind and the potential snow and everything, it's going to be even harder for a guy like Tua to make those throws outside the numbers and deep. So expect him to now, once again, exaggerate the inside leverage, drop those linebackers back to take away any of that deep inside, middle, those middle third throws. And I don't see Tua making those throws in this kind of weather. With 12 miles per hour winds, I don't see it. I'll take Buffalo at home in that game. Uh, and, yeah, I, I don't know what that means for Miami, too. Like I said, it depends on how it happens. Miami scores some points, but if it's bad weather, you can just chalk that up probably. Most of their uh, ineptitude on offense will be chalked up to bad weather, but I do want to wi- watch that game plan uh, that Buffalo throws out there because Tua lately his processing has been slower just because of the way teams are defending him. 54% completion percentage, uh, two interceptions and three sacks. Uh, one lost fumble. Uh, you know he in, in, he says even his worst passing DVOA of the season actually too in uh, that that Chargers matchup. So he's just he's right now I think he's struggling with and so is Mike McDaniel struggling with the 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 blueprint that seems to be out there. All right, we come back. Well, uh, got the flex on the other side. We got championship games happening as we speak. We'll give you some updates on those. Also talk about the uh, the area teams that are still in action. All that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie. Wonderful nine horn. Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. 512 Friday, we play jams from local bands and artists, very talented human beings who you can catch right here in the ATX. Who are we jamming right now, Patrick? This is Igniter. They're playing Saturday at Come and Take It Live. Uh, actually, I've been there before, too. Hung out there. Uh, actually, go see my man Patrick at one of his events. So there you go. Um, and uh, now I know uh, multiple nicknames for Patrick because I've hung out <laughs> at some of these events with people that know Patrick. And they refer to him by, I won't even go reveal what the nickname is, they refer to him by some of them by another name, and I won't even bring it to the radio. I'm not going to bring it to the airwaves. Uh, all right, time for plenty of nicknames. It's good to have nicknames. No, yeah, I should tell you, you're beloved because you got multiple nicknames, and you know you can tell you you're in different circles. All yeah. right, in the community, which is really good. All right, you're just beloved for different reasons <laughs> by these people. Uh, but it's great stuff. Uh, went out there last night to go uh, to hang out last night at uh, ACL Live, and it was pretty good. Um, it was actually a really fun time, and uh, shout out to my man Patrick for the uh, the invite and for the uh, great job on the emceeing duties, the hosting duties there. Uh, okay, let's get to the flex segment here. Uh, let, unfortunately, the update on the uh, on the state title uh, representatives, if you will, uh, the ones who are playing from the Austin area. We thought the Carthage Wimberley game would be a lot more competitive. Uh, it was not uh, that competitive, guys, because it uh, turns out Carthage blew them out 42 to nothing. Yeah, done deal. Uh, 42 nothing, Carthage beats Wembley and the Texans. So uh, that's not pretty, but great season for Wembley. Uh, obviously making it to the, the championship round there. Um, great, 
season for them, but definitely didn't finish the way they want, would have wanted. Um, the other team that will be in action uh, from uh, the, uh, the, the Austin area here, the Flex area, if you will, uh, will be uh, Vandergrift, and they will be facing DeSoto. And I went and looked at, I heard my man Jerry Hamilton of Inside Texas on with B&E. It was a great conversation. Go check it out for yourself. Go podcast it if you didn't hear it. And he was just going through some of the, uh, the top prospects on each team. And when he started, he, the number that he gave for DeSoto was absurd. Um, and they actually have it on their website at Inside Texas. Jonte Cook, Texas wide receiver, who was committed to Texas already. Uh, Trey Wisner, running back, committed to Texas. Uh, then they have uh, two, they have three, four DBs they list on here. One DB is committed to North Texas, one committed to SMU. They got another athlete committed to Texas Southern. Um, but they have, on this list that here, I count at least 20 guys that they list as like top, top level college prospects here. That's, that's a good team then. <laughs> you know how many Van, Vandergrift? They got Henry for Vandergrift. Um, Damian Wimberly they got on here. Uh, they talk about Brady Buchanan. Shout out, all flex quarterback, the Baylor baseball commit. Blake Frazier, uh, Jace uh, Skoglin, the tight end, and Miles Coleman, the wide receiver. Um, so they have them listed with like, six players total as like next level uh, prospects. Um, but like I said, DeSoto has at least 20 on this list somewhere around <laughs> crazy how I many they yeah. have so they, it 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 you know it will be a test for Vandergrift because they haven't faced a team this have nobody faces teams this talented yeah until you get to the the title round yeah when you get there <laughs> and it's the elite of the elite that's it that's uh, who you play you play the elite yeah they got a yeah they got like four guys who have already accepted offers and like I said a scores a score of other guys if you will that probably uh, who will be accepting offers in the future or just underclassmen who are considered next level prospects so best of luck to uh best of luck to Vandergriff versus DeSoto and I think my man Snoop Snoop is did he, he is, to go to DeSoto or is people I believe he is he, already up there I believe he is already up yeah, in Arlington yeah. but isn't he didn't he graduate from DeSoto or something I don't like that? know I, have to, I look, think it's something we, like, we know Snoop's history he you know I believe Snoop likes to be a man of mystery I know but I want to say that he admitted that he either went to DeSoto or graduated from DeSoto or his family does and but he's still of course now rooting for Vandergriff of course because he's loyal to the Flex in the Flex area there yeah and we'll uh, give a shout out uh, 4A uh, Division 1 championship is happening right now and Bernie just down the road is up 21 nothing over China Spring there you here go. in the second quarter nice yeah, shout out to Bernie. Um, yeah, we need some of that good mojo. Uh, all right, uh, we'll come back. We'll get into uh, Texas' big uh, commitment they got from a five-star linebacker, Anthony Hicks. We'll talk about Rojo and Bijan's draft prospects, Mel Kuyper listing his uh, top running backs for the NFL draft. All of that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn.